Welcome to the Your Diet Bestie podcast, the podcast that ensures that you never have to do diabetes alone. I'm Your Diet Bestie, Mila. I live with latent autoimmune diabetes in adults. And today I have, the, I think, like the specialist guest that I'll ever have on this podcast. She's amazing. She does so many wonderful things. She's the founder of a company called Organized Advisor. She's a really talented designer. She's great. <laughs> she used to be my manager, but I fired her at one time. We've known each other since we were 10 years old. So my guest today is my actual diabesti, Katie Moreno. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited for this podcast because we've been talking about something like this for a long time. And I think that you are the best diabesti to so many people. And I'm excited for you to like um, pursue this officially. And I'm excited to be a guest on it. I'm so happy that we have already pre-talked about this for like forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> happening. And uh, this uh, this podcast is actually Katie's idea. Like what? she has been telling me for a really long time that like we should do a diabetes kind of like Steve podcast. And then I ignored her and then I texted her and I was like, hey, I have this great idea. And she was like, yo. I was like, I had that idea two and a half years ago, but you know, whatever. But <laughs> I think that's just the perfect timing for everything. And I'm excited to see it come to fruition now because I think that like you have established yourself so much as a valuable resource in the diabetes community. And so, you know, to give like, like personal side of things, I think is so great. So that just like makes my heart happy. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so I always start out with asking my guests what their relationship to diabetes is. So what's yours? Good question. So I do not have diabetes. Um, I am familiar with it though. My grandma, my entire life growing up, she had diabetes. And so I saw her, you know, injecting insulin, measuring out her insulin for the week. She had a little cup in the refrigerator with her syringes before there were pens and everything. And so I was always really curious about it, but it was always just like, oh, my grandma, that does this thing. Um, it was never ever personal. Um, and then I became a high school teacher and I had some students with diabetes. And so I had to be aware of what to look for and there was training on it and stuff like that, you know, as a teacher, so we can assist in the event that someone has high or low blood sugar. Um, and then my best friend, you, Mila, got diagnosed in 2016, I want to say. Yep. Uh, I was going to say, it's not a good friend of me if I don't know that, I guess. But, <laughs> um, and so when you got diagnosed, it it brought it a lot more personal because I interact with you on a daily basis. Um, and then a couple of years later, you were my next door neighbor. And so, you know, in the event that there was an emergency, whether it's when we're just hanging out and shopping or at lunch, or you were living down the street from me, you know, I think it's important that I am knowledgeable about your condition. And so that's actually a big reason why I, th I thought this would be a good episode is like, what is the role of not just the person with diabetes and managing it, but what is the role of their close community? Because I'm not part of your care team, but in the event of an emergency, I would like to be able to know, you know, what to do. Um, and then funnily enough, I was on an airplane a couple probably about a year ago now, and somebody did have a diabetic emergency and I wasn't able to help. I was not a medical professional. I didn't do anything, but I recognized it. And so I felt like in an emergency, if there was no one else there, like maybe I could help. And so, you know, I've uh, watched hang room and grow. I've learned from you. And obviously I don't have the conditions. So I don't know what it's like to live with, but I do think that I know 
more than average because you're such a good educator and I pay attention. (laughs) So I think that it's important for people with diabetes, though, to have someone like me in their circle that they can trust, like someone like a spouse or just a best friend or whoever or multiple people um, and not be afraid to talk about it with them because I feel empowered knowing about it. Like I want to know how you're doing and and how to help if needed. Um, And I don't, I'm glad that you share that with me openly versus, you know, being ashamed of it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious from your perspective, because like you've known me almost my entire life. So you know me before diabetes and after. And so from your perspective, what was Mila before diabetes like? That's a good question too. Um, So you're, I mean, you're a very genuine person. Like I wouldn't say that you in a sense have changed other than the fact that you've grown up. I mean, we've known each other since we were 10 years old. So kid Mila versus adult Mila obviously is a different person, but in relation to diabetes, you know, we were roommates in college and we worked together in college. So we spent a lot of time together. Um, and you were always really, um, I would health conscious, maybe like you were always the one pushing me to go to the gym and like, you know, trying to like, um, care about that. And I did, I was like, whatever, like, and I should, like, I am overweight, like I should care about that. Um, And you were always like pushing for it. But once you became diagnosed with diabetes, especially after doing all of that work, like you, you had a good balance with like your diet, your exercise and stuff. So it was like really shocking that you got this diagnosis, which obviously come to find out was a misdiagnosis and you actually have type one, which makes more sense. Um, but you became even more health conscious. And so I just, I think that's another reason why I feel so strongly about what you do. Like, obviously I'm biased because I'm your best friend, but there's so much stigma with it. And people think that people with diabetes, like don't care about their health and they just eat sugar all day. And like, you care more about your health more than anyone I know. Like you are aware of the things you're putting in your body and how it affects you. And there's so much stigma that I think just needs to go away. Like, I think it's just stupid. Um, but it's through people talking about it. Like you are, you know, that opens that up, that conversation up and gets rid of that stigma. Um, but you also, I think have become really like, you have a focus on education and like right now you're even expanding or extending your education to get more credentials, to help more people. Um, and you, didn't have an interest in, in that previously, you know, um, but you've always been a communicator. Like you've always been a great, uh, marketer, which I think is what's gotten Hangroom into where it is now. Um, but this focus now on education, obviously as a former teacher, like I love that. Um, and I'm excited to see like the next chapter because, you know, more credentials means more eyes on your stuff and you can help more people, which I think is your whole entire life's mission. (laughs) So yeah. 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 And we talked about that so much, how I feel like I know so much and I can do so much. And I feel like I teach a lot and I have a lot of people that are always like, you've taught me so much about diabetes, but then I feel like, because I'm like, not the like skinny white diabetic and I have no like actual credentials, except now I'm a health coach, which is really cool. And then I'm getting my master's in nutrition so that I can eventually become a dietitian. But it's like really interesting how, um, I don't know, sometimes those conversations have been like, I know, I know a lot. And I know that I'm doing something for the world. And like, even if it's just making recipes, 
I feel like I need that additional background for like that extra credibility. So you see me with that like struggle, mm-hmm. that tug of war of like, I don't know what to do here. Um, but I'm curious also if you remember the day that I told you that I had diabetes and yeah. what that was like. <laughs> I do. I was driving my car because I think you called me right when you left the appointment. Like you were like in shock and or maybe you took a couple minutes and then you like called me because we we do that. We like have a life event or we have anything and we call each other. Um, like I always joke as soon as we like I drop her off or she drops me off at our house. It's like, OK, I'll text you in five minutes. <laughs> we're constantly connected. Um, but I think you called me pretty soon after and I was in the car and I was like. You that's wrong. Like you that's like an old person's disease. Like I thought it was because my grandma had it. Like I was like, you're 26. Like there's no way like this doesn't seem right. And even back then it it didn't feel right. Like the diagnosis of type two. And I knew how much you were paying attention to what you're eating and working out. And obviously like with PCOS also, like it's difficult to lose weight. So even if you're overweight, that doesn't necessarily mean you have diabetes. And I was like, uh, that seems weird. And like, it was kind of a slow progression of like getting on medicine and then getting on insulin. And then like, obviously like years later getting the re-diagnosis. Um, but it always, until that re-diagnosis, it felt like you were on this uphill battle to prove that it wasn't true. Like it, like you were trying so hard to take care of your health, but like things weren't working. And so that re-diagnosis I think was like a huge pivotal point because it just didn't make sense. None of it made sense, you know? And even though it's not an old person's disease and that was absolutely like a false belief or like stigma that I had, um, it also wasn't accurate. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that was the right feeling uh, for someone being diagnosed so young and also actually working to, you know, counteract it. Like nothing was working. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting things that you've seen too, just in my whole entire journey with diabetes, and I'm so glad that you, you just said it because I think a lot of people are under this assumption that like, I've never worked a day in my life to take care of my health. And so I get these like crazy ass comments on the internet and from people who just like don't know and don't know my like history kind of accusing me of being like a fake and they're like there's no way like you must eat pizza every day and drink five gallons of pepsi like you have diabetes because you caused it and so a lot of the like education that i've done is around stigmas and around um like incorrect perceptions of diabetes and so from your perspective and i think like I'm thinking of a very specific time period, but I would love to hear like how you saw that affect just like me as a person with diabetes, but also how like as a friend that encouraged you maybe to be like even extra supportive on top of how supportive you are already being. So I'm thinking of two specific events. Um, One of them was before you got re-diagnosed, I want to say, and we were at an event and they were serving pizza because every freaking event serves pizza. And this older lady, knowing your work and knowing your website and stuff like that, um, really rudely interjected our conversation and said, are you eating that pizza? Are you sure you should be eating that? And it was like shocking. Like, I can't believe that anybody would ever say that to anybody, but let alone someone they're not close with. Like, if I said it out of love and I was like, Hey, I know you had blood, high blood sugar earlier this morning. And now you're, you know, like, can I get you a salad? Like that would come from a place of love, but 
like she doesn't know you. She only knows of you. You are an acquaintance at best. And to say something like that, I was just like, I wanted to like throw hands. I was like, obviously I'm not going to like punch an old lady, but I wanted to, I was like, that is so rude. And I don't even remember how you reacted. You were probably just like, yeah, it's fine. Like shut up. Um, and we like moved on and like walked away from her, I think. Cause it was, it wasn't like you were going to like go and defend yourself. Um, but then a couple of years ago, um, probably right around the time that you got re-diagnosed, um, there are a bunch of people in the comments like coming for you. And I just, again, I get my defense on and I'm like, you don't even know, like she shares with you a lot of her life and she shares with you a lot of the background and behind the scenes and the day-to-day struggles, but you don't see every minute of her life. Like even if she, she vlogs all day and edits together a 20 minute video or a five minute video, like you're seeing a snippet, like you don't see the rest of the meals you eat, the workouts you do, like none of it, none of it. And it just makes me feel so sad because I know how hard that is to see those comments. Like, and it makes you want to like stop what you're doing and not do hang grooming anymore because I mean, you could have a hundred million good comments and have one negative one. And that's the one that we're going to focus on. It's human nature, you know? And so I try really hard to like be your cheerleader and like remind you that like you're helping so many people and what you're doing is important work. But at the same time, like I can't take away those comments, you know, like, and I think it's so just uneducated and ignorant for them to even make from behind their keyboard. Like they would hopefully never say it to your face maybe because that lady did um (laughs) but like they just don't even know and then to comment like from they're probably eating cheetos in their room you know like you know not eating healthy either but they have the you know they feel like they can say something because it's the internet and um i just think it's so disgusting to be honest yeah it is it is and i i it rolls off my shoulders now i think more than it did like there was I that think that one time when I was getting like that pile on, I was like, I'm going to shut my website down. I'm pulling the plug. I'm canceling my hosting. Like, I'm not doing this ever again. And now I just kind of approach it as like, thanks for the engagement. Thank you for the watch hours. <laughs> if you, but I, you like put them on blast though. Like if they're posting these comments <laughs> publicly, like you share them and like they put their name on it. So they yeah. own it. Like, and I think that's good too. Cause that discourages it also. But yeah. And I, I, I think too, like people don't believe that anyone would leave comments like that, or they don't believe that people would be that harsh or that critical. And like, especially in like some of the, the channels that I'm on, like Instagram and YouTube, like people will create accounts just to be assholes. Like they'll, they'll do it just to be mean. Um, and it's, no skin off their back and but they don't realize that like there's a person on the other side of it that they are like damaging or hurting and so now like my quip back is always like oh I didn't do this the way that you liked it well you can do it then why don't you produce a video and edit it and research it and do all the work for it like if you can do it better I I please please do it go for (laughs) it go for it and I think that that's a, a unique challenge you have in being a content creator But as a person with diabetes in general and me being your friend, like the lady with the pizza, like, I think that that's a common experience, like being judged for what you eat, how you have diabetes, whether it's type one or type two, like it doesn't matter. Like it's, of course, there's lifestyle choices you can make that can improve it or can, you know, hold off the symptoms and that sort of stuff. But regardless there's lots of factors that lead to it and it's not anyone's fault for having it. And I just think that like, 
it's important to have that support system around you, have your friends be knowledgeable enough to like in the event that something negative does happen to lift you back up because that is the opinion that matters, not the random lady that is going to be pissed off because you're eating pizza. Like her opinion doesn't matter. Like the people close to you does. Um, And so they need to be knowledgeable enough to know when you need that encouragement because you know, they're right. And even though, you know, it's really hard to, in that moment to believe them because you're just feeling bad um, because of that jerk. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, as long as you are doing the best you can do, like, that's all you can do. So get people that remind you of that. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's so important. Like, that's something that's definitely kept me going is you and like our whole group of friends, I feel like have shown up for me in a way that I never imagined that people would in my life. Like I just thought like, oh, I have diabetes. So like nobody's going to really care. But even like when I was married, like my uh, former mother-in-law would always ask me like, hey, what can we make sure that we have at Thanksgiving or at Christmas or whatever to make sure that you're comfortable, make sure that you're good and your blood sugars are good. Um, I know like you guys do that all the time, you and Daniel. Um, Like you guys ask me like the funniest and most interesting questions that like make me think a little bit deeper about diabetes. And so I can think of just like, I mean, honestly, like I would say hundreds of ways that you guys have shown up and really like embraced the fact that I'm going through this thing all the time, but you're still like so kind and so thoughtful and like so funny about it. And like, um, I don't know, even like we make like diabetes jokes together and stuff. And like, I just think that's such a like good rapport and good kind of like outlet that we have. That's really fun. Um, so that actually brings up two questions that I have for you. Yeah. Um, so the first one is, uh, we'll talk about friends first, but then remind me about the diabetes jokes. But, um, from a friend perspective, like say you just found out that your friend has diabetes. Um, you know, in the beginning, I think I have a good handle on it now because I'm intimately aware of like how you're doing like mentally and like health wise. Um, but in the beginning it was like, I didn't want to offend you by offering help. Like, and so what would you say is like what a friend needs to do to recommend a restaurant or to say like, Oh, well, do you want to go get, obviously like a bakery is going to be, you know, maybe not the best choice. So like, but I don't want to not say like, go to, let's go to this new bakery because you have diabetes and I am policing your food decisions. Like, as a friend, like what would be helpful or what would be hurtful for me, you know, asking you or like not taking care of you, but like considering you? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think there's like two ways that I think about it. On one end, I would say, let your friend or your family member or your coworker, whoever that relationship is with come to you and say, I want to tell you this, I need help. Here's what I need. Um, because then it puts the ball in their court for them to state how they feel, what they need and how you can support them so that like the burden isn't on you to figure it out or to like tiptoe around it and not offend. Um, and so like an approach that I take is just like, I don't give people advice until they ask me for it. And so they may like complain about diabetes or whatever. And like the best thing you can do is support them. But if they haven't asked for advice or they haven't asked you for um, some kind of way forward, you don't have to say anything. All you have to say is that sucks. I'm sorry. And you can move on. You can also ask them like, 
do you want my advice? I know it's unsolicited and that's always helpful. And I think disarming too. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you first tell people that you have a diabetes diagnosis, there are so many assumptions that end up flying around like, well, they can't go do this thing or they can't have this or they're not able to do this, this and this or I have to change this whole entire meal because of this. Um, Like I had a family member that I'm not super close to, but like we had an interaction and she was having a party and she was like, Hey, I just wanted to make sure that I get some sugar-free stuff for you. And I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Like I can have regular sugar stuff. I will bolus. I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. And she was like, well, I'm always going to worry. And I was like, that's really kind of you, but it's okay. I'm normal. Just like everyone else, aside from the fact that I just have to pay attention to my blood sugars. So mm-hmm. I think um, like that was even like a supportive way of yeah. asking. Like she kind of assumed that I needed this thing, but then I was able to be like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's cool. Um, and then I think from the the other angle is I think oftentimes because we have the diabetes diagnosis, like people exclude us from things because they think, well, oh, naturally she, she can't, can't have that. She can't go to the cupcake store into the grand opening because it's brand new because she has diabetes. Yeah, exactly. But- so like I would say just like don't assume that anything is off limits and the person in your life that's dealing with diabetes will tell you like that's probably not the best idea for me or yeah, I would love to go and then they'll make the decision on their own how they want to handle it in the aftermath. So mm-hmm. I think it's just that. It's just kind of keeping an open mind and like letting the person tell you what they need as they need it. And sometimes, and especially in the beginning, they're not going to know because it's shocking. It's a big life change. There's a lot of just like feelings involved with the diagnosis and stuff. And it takes time to kind of find your flow and figure it out. Like I'm seven years in now and I still don't think I've really figured it out. Every day is a little wacky. Um, But I think like it just takes time to kind of feel like feel out where you're comfortable. Um, But also some people aren't super comfortable advocating for themselves or asking for things because they feel like it puts a burden on other people. Um, So it's okay to ask, like, what do you need? How can I help? And that also puts the ball in their court, showing them that you care, but also gives them the opportunity to really think about what they do need and what kind of space they need. Right. I think it's a fine line, though. And I think it's something that a friend needs to be cognizant of is that you don't want to ignore the condition and just invite you to ice cream every day. (laughs) You know, like that's not really considerate, but also don't be afraid to like ask or talk about it, you know, because I think it shows that you care as long as it's done in a way that's not judgmental or, you know, um, putting the person with diabetes, like in a difficult position, you know, where you do have options or you do have like some balance, like, you know, if not that there is this, but like, if there was like a carb festival, <laughs> like all festivals are carb, I guess. I want to go to a carb festival. <laughs> <laughs> But like, there was probably no balance there, you know? So like, you know, finding a way to do that and something else is like, consider it, um, but don't be rude about it. Yeah. So I think that's a good answer is like, ask, but also like help them advocate for themselves by asking what they need. Yeah, for sure. Okay. My other question was about diabetes jokes, because this is something that I've like really wrestled with because I think humor has changed in the past like decade. Like, Things that used to be acceptable in a lot of ways are no longer acceptable, which is a hard thing because humor is making fun of real life. 
Um, and you and I joke about things, but it's never in a way that's like, this is your fault or like, you know, how I think mainstream comedians maybe make fun of diabetics, um, people with diabetes, but like, what would you say? Like, I, I have an opinion about it. Um, and it, it typically is that it's never okay, except for people that have the condition. Um, and then obviously like I have that trust built with you, you know, my intentions, you know, my heart behind it. Um, and there's been a couple instances that in like the media that have come up that, you know, comedians have gotten in, you know, hot water about past jokes or current jokes. Um, and then also like, I remember I, I bought a coloring book for one of my family members that, uh, graduated like a medical degree. And Mm -hmm. one of the pages in there was about how, Susie ate 26 candy bars. What does Susie have? Susie has diabetes. And I ripped it out. And I was like, I'm not giving this to her. Like, this is so rude. And I felt really defensive. And I like crumpled it up and threw it away. And I was like, this is, and I felt a little crazy because I'm like, you know, going on this rampage. But also, that's not okay. And so, overall, I'm just rambling. But like, what is your opinion on joking about chronic conditions such as diabetes? Yeah, I, I kind of follow along the same lines as you is that like, if the person has like a closeness or an intimacy with that chronic illness, there are ways to make fun of that chronic illness without making fun of the people who have it. Um, I can think of uh, like a really great diabetes meme account um, run by this woman, Jillian, it's called insulin and tonic. And it is the funniest diabetes memes. It's like, just literally like pop culture and memes kind of like reframed for diabetes. And the jokes are so funny because they're not like a personal attack or they're not perpetuating diabetes stigma. They're really poking fun at some of the just like shitty things that we go through with diabetes. Like, um, one of my favorites that she shared a long time ago and I sent it to my boyfriend, it was like a skeleton kind of like with its like mouth open, like, ah, my God. And then it was like, what happens when I sleep over at this girl's house and her glucose alarms are going off at 3am. And so I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. That just happened. And it was something I could send to him. And so like jokes like that, I think are funny, but jokes that perpetuate stigma or poke fun at the individual um, for something that is not their fault, I think is where I draw the line and where it's super inappropriate And I just think to myself all the time with jokes, like I would never make fun of Alzheimer's or cancer or like, I'm trying to think of like other illnesses, heart disease or someone that's blind, someone that doesn't have a leg, like, you know, like you're not going to go and make a joke about that. Right. And for them, like experiencing that there may be like in jokes that they feel like are funny because like it's a circumstance that they live with and they can find the humor in it. But I myself not living with any of those conditions wouldn't like assume that I could make a joke about their condition and about the way that they have to live with a chronic condition. And so I think like yeah, that was the long winded way of saying I feel the exact same way as you. Like, I remember you sent me a picture of that coloring sheet and you were like, look at this. (laughs) Yeah, it was just so and it was like, oh, my gosh, like it just it showed like how stigma is so perpetuated. Like that was a book for a healthcare professional. And so put that in there. And like, 
it could be seen as a joke. And the coloring book, I think, was full of jokes and full of like. Yeah, but it wasn't like it wasn't disparaging jokes or anything at anyone's expense for having a condition. And that was like the one that I think is always attacked because especially for type two there are factors that lead to it. And so because of that, they latch onto that one thing and then feel it's okay to make fun of. And it's like, again, so ignorant. Like you don't even know like yeah. the background of anybody's health history to be able to make fun of it. And it's attacking the person, you know, and that's never funny. So. Yeah. Yeah. And my little segue in that also is that like people will often blame people with type 2 diabetes and say, well, you could ha- you could reverse this or you could have um, not ever had diabetes if you just ate right and if you exercised. And that is that like lifestyle change is one, not exclusive to people with type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Everybody should eat right, exercise, drink water like you just did. Um, like, um, actually, I <laughs> but thank you. Hydrated. <laughs> it is unsweet, so it's basically water. So. <laughs> you know, and it's probably better for you because tea has like antioxidants. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. Um, and caffeine though, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Caffeine's not bad inherently. Um, but like, those kinds of things are not exclusive to people with type 2 diabetes. And so a lot of times I I all often find myself thinking like, are you the person who's pointing that finger? Like, are you doing all of those things? Or right. are you just pointing that finger because you feel superior to people who have a chronic disease? Um, and then the other thing that I always think about is how people just like to judge like mm-hmm. people just and it i think it happens in the diabetes community too like a long time before i was uh, re-diagnosed with type 1 well, i can tell you like people's perception of me changed absolutely after i was re-diagnosed and i was more acceptable to people in like the diabetes circle but then i remember like when i didn't have my new diagnosis and i would call people out and be like y'all like you are telling me that I have to advocate for type ones only to have access to insulin. Right. Like the majority of people using insulin are type two, but then also you are immediately throwing people with type two under the bus by saying, like when people come back and say, well, you wouldn't need insulin if you did this, this, and this. And then people type one being like, well, I didn't do anything to cause my diabetes. Yeah. Or, or super defensive of like, um, actually I have type one and it's like, okay, then what are you saying about people that don't have type one? Like all the other millions of types of there that there are, like, it's so exclusionary too, to be like, mine's better than yeah. your type. Yeah. Better or worse. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Depends on who you talk to, it's like framed differently every right. time. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, there is no superiority in this disease. We all sucks. have it. It sucks. <laughs> it all sucks. No matter how you got it, how you were diagnosed, when you were diagnosed, having it sucks. That's like the thing that we all have in common. Um And so it's like more of an opportunity to support each other and bridge the gap and be there for each other. But I think sometimes people just get really defensive about like being labeled a certain way. And that's why stigmatizing language and stigma has to disappear because you didn't feel that stigma and you didn't feel that shame. You wouldn't want to separate yourself from people who are labeled specifically with those stigmas. So 
I was thinking I, always, I, I sent you a couple of them, but I always appreciate I'm on like diabetic TikTok because of you, I'm sure. Um, but I always appreciate when I see another influencer who has type one answer a question or something and always respond with, I have type one, but it doesn't matter what type I have. Neither is caused by anything, you know, purely by your own choices. And I always appreciate that because that's a little bit of advocacy from that side. Cause some people with type one are very rude about it and like go in about how that's not their type. And, you know, it's, it's either say nothing about it or like advocate for the people that don't have type one. So yeah, yeah I think that's important. It's wild. There's be more advocacy in the world. <laughs> Just in general, there's yeah. lots of causes that need more attention yeah. outside of even diabetes, but yeah, we're not going to get on the soapbox about the American <laughs> healthcare system. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You're wow. American diabetes, and we'll talk about diabetes. Um, I think the, I have two last questions for you. One is what is your favorite way that you have shown up for me when I've needed a friend who could just kind of like soothe me about diabetes? And I'll tell you, if it's not the same, I'll tell you what my favorite way is. Um, well, I'm an awesome friend, so I do a lot. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Price and pick one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I do have two though. So one of them is more so related to you being like an influencer and one is directly related to diabetes. So um, one is whenever you were receiving a lot of negative comments, um, I had a bunch of people and I've, I was your manager at the time too. So I had access to like the back end of everything. And I screenshotted hundreds of good comments, like sweet ones and printed them out. Are you going to get it? Yeah. <laughs> and um, put them in the this brag book here and I just like I decorated it like a little kid would with like paints and like (laughs) colorful like stickers and stuff and I just wanted you to like have that to remember like when you were receiving hard comments like there were hundreds of sweet ones um and you know I I I hope that you don't need to look at it very often because I don't think I don't I hope that there's not a bunch of negative comments but in those moments where you receive a, a negative one like remember that there are hundreds of positive ones. And the same goes for people with diabetes that might have a negative experience or have a bad day or have a day where your blood sugars are just crappy. Like remember all the other good days that you've had and good comments that you've received and the friends you've met through the diabetes community, because like there's lots of positives to it too. Um, And then the second one is specifically diet diabetes related, which I also highly recommend to people that are diabetes of people that have diabetes. Um, you added me as a user to your, um, alerts for your, uh, CGM. And so I was receiving alerts that you were having lows in the middle of the night, which by the way, is like terrifying. Like I was like texting you immediately and calling you and you weren't answering. And I was like, she's dying. <laughs> like I immediately panicked and like, you're, you were okay. You were fine. You were handling it. It was just that I, it was the first alert that I received. And so I immediately went to like panic mode. Also the alarm yeah. is, I was just going to like, say <laughs> the alarm is like, will wake you up out of your coffin. Yes. <laughs> I did not, I should have like asked what it sounded like. So I would know what to expect. I thought the world was ending. Like I thought it was like an emergency alarm for a hurricane, tornado, earthquake. Like I thought it was the end of the world, but just low blood sugar. And it wasn't even that low, but it was like <laughs> the alarm. 
And um, so the next day I went to the store and I bought like a little tackle box and I put all a bunch of candies in it. And so that way you can keep it near your bedside to refuel or if you just need a snack. <laughs> um, but I think that was a good way to love you as a, you know, a friend that I don't know what it's like, but here's something I can do that just tangibly shows you like I got you and I'm here to support you and I'm here to help you. And you got to refill it on your own, but keep this by your side because <laughs> I don't want any more lows as if you can help it. So, yeah. and then yeah. also you told me a story of you were like digging through tail trail mix one time to dig out the M&Ms or the chocolate or something <laughs> because you needed sugar and, I was, and you had nothing. And I was like, I got you. We're never doing that again. <laughs> you shouldn't have to dig through trail mix ever again. Yeah. I had to like split out the chocolate from the like pretzels and stuff because chocolate won't, it has like a fat in it. So it'll, mm-hmm. it won't rise your glucose as fast, fast as yeah. you need to. So I was like sitting on like the countertop, just like, okay, M&M pretzel. Like in the middle of a low, like that's not when you need to be doing that. And so I was yeah. like, we need candy, like ready and available, you know, in addition to all, I'm sure you have other, you know, juice and stuff like that. But I was like, this is cute and fun. And <laughs> so yeah, that was going to be the story I told was the diabetes tackle box. It's, it literally still sits in my bedside. I refill it every so often. <laughs> you snack from it sometimes. So. Of course, you have to treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like the cutest thing because you um, basically were like, I have a surprise for you. And I was like, okay, what? Oh, sure. Some, what is it my birthday? Like what's happening? And you yeah. came over, you drove from your house, four doors down my house, four doors down. I don't remember why I drove. I was in my car though. I recorded it and I don't remember why I was in my car because I wouldn't have just drove down there. Like I think I was like on the way somewhere or coming back from somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe picking at the time we would go up to Starbucks. Yeah. And we would, like take like a little driver out of the neighborhood to Starbucks. So maybe it was that or something. Yeah. 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 But then you handed me the box and I was like, what is this? And it said like no more hype. Was for hangry <laughs> yeah and i put her logo on it <laughs> it's so cute and yeah i still have it i love it it's like good. such a good tool especially like in the middle of the night when you're disoriented and clumsy and you don't want to walk out to like the kitchen to find something it's nice to just be able to like sit up pop it open take a handful and just like treat the low which is awesome so it's such a thoughtful gift and so so fun i loved it <laughs> yeah that was um one of my favorite gifts I've ever given. And I just, I was so excited. I woke up the next day. I like parked up out of bed and I was like, I'm going to Michael's and I just <laughs> did it. So you yeah, busted out like your cricket and everything. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't just do that every day. So no, you do not. <laughs> it has to be a very special occasion. Um, and so my last question to wrap up our time together, even though we'll text each other in five minutes, mm-hmm. um, is, what do you think that people can do to support their diabetes and what kinds of things from your perspective do you think are helpful and low lift from someone that wants to support their loved one with diabetes? So there's just so much you can do. I mean, you can do the thing like the tackle box, you know, that that's super just tangible, like help, but also just listening to them and learning from them and like asking them about their experience and knowing, and obviously this is going to depend a little bit on your, um, relationship to that person. Like the closer you are, the more access you're going to have. But like as someone's best friend or spouse, you should be intimately aware of how they're doing. Like just in general, I think that's good advice. Like for 
friendships um, and relationships. But I think that it's important that you, you know, are aware of like how they're doing mentally, because it's also a huge mental game of like, are you burnt out with your diabetes at this time? Are you not putting your CGM back on because you just need a break. So you're doing finger sticks, which means you have to be more on top of it and it's not automated. Are you um, struggling to get your medicines refilled at the pharmacy because the pharmacy sucks? Like all of that kind of stuff I think is important to be aware of and like just talk to them about, be there for them. Like just be the listening ear. Like obviously there's nothing you can do. Like you can't call the pharmacy and like go advocate for them. Like you can't do that, but you can, listen, you know, and be a a shoulder for them when they need it. Um, And then, like I said, with the education part, I think it is really important in the event of emergency, like 99.9% of the time, there's never going to be something that you need to do in relation to their diabetes. But being able to recognize a low or a high, the symptoms of it, what to do in the event that that happens, what kind of support or help they need, when to call 911 or not, like, because a lot of times you don't need to call 911, but you need to, you know, get them a drink or get them water or have them take insulin or whatever. Um, that's really helpful because in that moment, you don't have much time. And so being aware of, of that kind of stuff is really helpful. Um, and in learning that, I think it'll show your friend that you care. And so then they'll probably be more likely to open up and share things with you. And that'll increase the depth of your relationship just in general. Um, and don't be a jerk. Don't make jokes about it. <laughs> don't, um, don't talk crap about their back behind their back of, you know, for some reason, like it's not their fault and it's your job as their friend to be there for them. And in the same way, like the, the way the world works, like you're going to have a time in your life when, you know, they're going to be able to repay that. And, you know, it's great to have people like that in your life that actually care about you. So, you know, there's been multiple times in my life that you've been there for me. And if I can get you a diabetes tackle box to show you that I love you, you know, I'm happy to, because I know that you've been there and you would do that exact same thing for me. Oh, you love me. I love you too. Kind of, I guess. (laughs) Well, fine. This was the worst guest ever. Oh my god! Undiabesty now. Jesus. I'm throwing away this 24 year old relationship. We're done. Okay. <laughs> it's gone in the trash. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's not fun. I don't know what I would do without you. Honestly, for real, same. you're literally like a staple of my day. Like. I, d- I don't think I go a single day without texting you or talking to you. Yeah. No, if we do, we have a couple of times here <laughs> and it's like weird. Like, are you okay? Are you alive? The next morning we're like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this was so good. And I'm so excited that people are going to get to hear it and also just learn how to support their diabetes and the people in their life. So thank you for giving thank me you. an hour of your time and for talking about this and just kind of like reminiscing with me on how supportive you've been. And also just to have it on record. Thank you so much for just being you and being my friend and basically being my sister. Like we joke that we are like the alternate universe versions of each other because we're literally the same. So it's, you know, your dad calls us sisters and calls us salt Salt and pepper, (laughs) (laughs) which is true. And I love it. It is so so true. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to see future episodes. Make sure you guys subscribe, like comment, whatever the phrase is, because I'm excited to see this podcast grow.
Oh my gosh. She just did my outro for me. Well, yeah. I also want to give you an opportunity. Where can people find you and learn more about what you do? So I do something very, very specific. So I'm not sure if your audience will be interested, but I am a teacher of teachers. Um, I used to be a high school journalism teacher and they do the yearbook and the newspaper. And so I have a website called organized advisor with an ER.com and I create resources that are free to journalism teachers. So if you happen to be a journalism teacher or you know of the journalism teacher at your local high school, that's who I'm here to help. So very, very niche. <laughs> it is niche, but somebody always knows somebody. You never, you know. never know. You never know. So if you know someone, I'd love to meet them and help them out. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you in the next one. Love your diabetes.